Welcome to Insights Now, a series of conversations designed to shine a light of clarity on the complex world of investing. In our third season, we'll explore investing in a post-pandemic world. After a year and a half of COVID-19 dominating nearly every investment conversation, vaccine rollouts are now well underway and the global economy is recovering at a much faster pace than following past recessions. But as we emerge from the pandemic bunker, the financial landscape looks very different from when we went in. In this season, we take a wide-angle lens to the investment environment to discuss economic trends and long-term themes in markets and how COVID-19 has shaped them. Over the course of a dozen episodes, we'll speak with experts on a variety of topics in an attempt to provide some insight on investing for a post-pandemic world. The pandemic saw a strong acceleration in technological adoption and innovation as businesses had to rethink how they operate, scale their supply chains, and become more swift and agile in a rapidly changing environment. With more spending done online, the digitization of the consumer sector also accelerated. As the pandemic recedes, companies recognize that to stay competitive in this new normal requires substantial investment in new strategies and technologies. For investors, while valuations and rising interest rates may present challenges, tech remains an exciting space to gain access to these important trends. To discuss the outlook for tech and the opportunity for investors, I'm very glad today to be joined by Manish Goyal. Manish has over 25 years of investment experience in this industry and serves as a lead portfolio manager for strategies that focus on digital evolution and innovation here at J.P. Morgan Asset Management. So Manish, welcome to Insights Now. Very happy to be here. Thank you. The tech sector was doing very well going into 2020, and then, of course, the pandemic turned all our lives upside down. And while many businesses struggled... The tech sector actually did really well despite the pandemic, and in many ways it actually benefited from it. Uh, but more broadly speaking, you know, with the benefit now of some hindsight, how has the pandemic impacted the broader trend towards technological adoption and innovation? The pandemic truly highlighted the importance of technology in our lives, whether we are consumers or enterprise. The way large banks, pharmaceutical companies, industrial companies operated during pandemic with hundreds of thousands of employees in a company working from home, a very large percent of population working from home, it shows the importance of technology. And this social experiment could could have never been done in real life, but when enterprises looked at it carefully, they realized that they can change processes in a way that could permanently uh, improve their efficiency uh, for many, many years to come. So consumers realize that they can be far more productive working from home. Enterprises realize that they can uh, function with uh, much smaller real estate print. And technology was the key enabler for a lot of these things. So looking into the future, I think we will see the implementation of those projects and those efficiencies will gradually become permanent in nature. Um, And... So I, that clearly, and I, you know, it reminds me a little bit of the aftermath of World War II when we went in with using one set of technology, we came out using another. It's it, clearly the pandemic has forced the pace of change. Um, but do you think that, you know, looking at it in some more detail, I know that some of this will become permanent, but, but can, it, can we sort of get a, a permanent increase in productivity out of this? So are these permanent changes? For example, we look at uh, e-commerce. E-commerce benefited from uh, work from uh, staying from pandemic. A lot of people started ordering things online. I think it only accelerated the transition to e-commerce. Uh, 
if you look at uh, non-cash payment uh, solutions, my 14-year-old, I'm not comfortable giving him cash. My 78-year-old father who lives in India, who has always used cash, is asking me about what is Square, what is PayPal, and credit cards. So in simple words, we included, uh, we expanded the uh, network of these people who, 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 who were, it might have taken us much longer time to bring them into the ecosystem are now part of the ecosystem. So if you look at, um, you know, video for that matter, you know, most of the video was used for casual conversations. And now video has become mainstream, whether it is enterprises or consumers, we are using a lot more video for high value interactions. You know, by high value, I mean money exchanges hands. You know, um, you know, you are having a telemedicine session with your physician or your uh, a kid is taking a piano les lesson on, 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 on Zoom or a salesperson making a pitch to a, uh, you know, um, for software sales or financial product sales or for uh, machinery sales on a Zoom. So these high value transactions, interactions move to Zoom and these are now socially acceptable. I see that, enter, uh, that uh, customers are more willing to buy things after a Zoom session. Earlier, that would have been a in-person meeting by the salesperson. And I, I, I sort of uh, call it a uh, digital trust where you know, some of those sales might have closed uh, after meeting person, after whining or dining the client, but now these things can be done over Zoom. So, so Manisha, are there other ways in which you think productivity is going to grow going forward? Technology has helped create new business models that improve the asset utilization rate of high-value assets. What do I mean by that? If you observe Expedia and Bookings, they do not own airplanes, they do not own hotels. They improve the utilization rate of hotels and airlines while making it easier for the consumer to uh, buy those services. Similarly, if you look at Uber, if you look at uh, Uber, you know, they don't own taxis, but they help you, help the consumer get to the underutilized car and they improve the utilization rate. So there, if, and if you go back and even look at iTunes and Netflix and these businesses were created to improve the utilization rate of music and high value media, there are significant number of such high value assets which are not totally monetized both by the consumer and by the enterprise. And what we are going to see is technology will enable in terms of improving the utilization rate of those assets. And we will sort of get to a point where, you know, capital spending might be needed, where you may get a cycle where there is a sustained CapEx cycle because we have kind of exhausted the underlying uh, assets. We have kind of exhausted, reached optimum utilization rates of those underlying assets. So, so technology doesn't just drive productivity in terms of technology assets. It, it acts as a catalyst to improve the utilization of the high value assets that we already have. I certainly have found the same thing in sort of my line of business because we've, uh, we used to do a lot of meetings all over the country, you know, fly across the country to meet with the board. And they were really reluctant to do video conferencing, but when they were forced to, and we were all forced to work through the kinks, well, there weren't actually that many kinks. And then suddenly, this is a normal way to do it. And the more extraordinary question is, why would you then fly across the country to do a board meeting rather than simply doing it over Zoom? So clearly, 
necessity has been the mother of not just invention, but also adoption here by, by a, a broad set of businesses and consumers. Um, can Perhaps I could talk specifically about um, enterprise IT. I mean, enterprise IT has sort of evolved from being more of a back office enabler to a driver of fundamental ch- change. What are the long-term growth drivers for enterprise technology? During the crisis, companies observed what uh, processes can be digitized. You know, a digital process by uh, its nature is far more accurate. Uh, There are less chances of uh, making mistakes, uh, especially if it is a repetitive process. So those processes will be digitized. Just to give you an example, like when, you know, companies um, uh, hire an employee, you know, I recall in my first job, second job, you have to fill out the same form 12 times, you know, for your dental insurance, for your medical insurance, for your life insurance, for your payroll, etc. All of that can be digitized in one way, you know. Uh, So uh, today, if you go to Chase branch for getting a mortgage, much of the paperwork is digitized. And even for, uh, you know, signature, uh, you know, uh, we use DocuSign. So, Companies realize that those kind of changes can uh, can can improve productivity. A lot of applications could be moved to cloud, and infrastructure could be moved from to a very flexible cloud-oriented infrastructure. So these things were, you know, come to uh, these things will uh, come to fruition over the next five five years or more. What happens is these projects cannot be implemented globally at the same time. There is a scarcity of resources, a scarcity of IT professionals. Uh, there are legal and compliance reasons. So companies pick what are the most important projects they want to do in year one, year two, year three. But this train has left the station and we will continue to see enterprises uh, adopt a lot of these uh, process. I want to make two more points here. Uh, uh, if you closely observe any product or service, Today, the product differentiation is driven by integration of technology. In very simple words, if you bought a new uh, uh, you know, garage door opener or, or, or if you bought a new thermostat, the current generation carries far more technology than its preceding generation. You can say that for high value ticket items like automobiles, etc. The point is that technology is encroaching into other sectors. And, and other sectors are using technology to create value. And that is what gives me confidence that technology will uh, is likely to grow faster than its underlying end markets because they are helping other sectors create value. Automobile units may grow 3% uh, over the next five, six years, but the silicon content inside of a car could grow seven eight percent, making it a very healthy market. So, really, the issue is not just the growth of technology products; it's how technology allows all products and services to grow, and the growing importance of technology. I, I know that from literally from ordering pizzas. I, you know, I used you know maybe once a week I order pizza. I used to pick up the phone, I'd tell them what I wanted, and usually the order is wrong. Now I never think of doing that. It's always on the app. You click it off. That's what you want. You hit it'd be done. It tells you when it's ready. You go pick it up. It's and and it's uh, it just is reliable, but it also saves the, the the you know the pizza store a lot of money because they can just get that right. So it's uh, and you know we see that also in restaurants in terms of just QR codes uh, where you know men, physical menus are disappearing. Um, point, so it on does. That point, there is good. an element of accuracy as well. You know, I have thick accent. People mm-hmm. might take a different order when I place. 
but if i if i am placing the order online the odds of the odds are higher <laughs> that it will be cracked and i'll share one statistics with you it us it spending as a state roughly close to 5% of us gdp and microsoft one of the most conservative companies that uh, i have covered for last 25 years they recently came out and they said that they see it us it spending accounting for roughly 10% of us gdp over the next 10 years it's a very very bullish sign very bullish sign and you know i don't know if microsoft will be right in that forecast or not but there is clearly an inflection and when i look at the growth drivers which i said that how technology is used by non tech companies to differentiate i could clearly see substantial growth drivers plus the technology sector is innovating where uh, you know uh, more products and services will get better and uh, we will put uh, you know ai and 5 use of ai and 5g in our daily lives first of all i, sh I should say you're not the only person with a strong accent which causes them problems in this country uh, people people get my order wrong too um but uh, um but I, th I think the the growth in it spending as a share of gdp is really important and it's part of you know one of our forecasts in terms of economic growth going into 2022 and 2023 is a pickup in investment spending but again looking backwards a little bit during the pandemic it's really been the american consumer that has bailed the economy out and driven the economy so looking at consumer trends what do you think um uh, how do you sort of see sort of technology impact consumer trends in particular i give tremendous amount of credit to us consumers uh, us consumers were the uh, early adopters of a digital lifestyle and all of this happened after the advent of iphone you know we don't buy cds anymore music comes from itunes we don't buy dvds anymore media comes from netflix we search for things online buy online pay online review them online and sometimes we even deal with customer service online and uh, you know in process of doing that trillions of dollars of shareholder value has been created if you look at the companies uh, now during covid uh, uh uh consumers a lot of consumers were using their personal devices their home uh, uh you know cable or fios connections to do corporate work and it came to it came to uh, to test the full ability or a performance of their systems and i would say in the most uh, cases consumer in it infrastructure was able to deliver uh, deliver and uh, consumers were able to people were able to work from home and their systems and networks uh, were strong enough to now on the positive you know um, online retail is only 22% of total retail in the us so clearly there is room to in, uh, to improve that to increase that i don't know what the point of equilibrium may be but it is possible you know you can have 35 40% of sales online there are several categories which are barely any penetrated but on the other hand if i look at uh, on a fairly short term basis last year you know uh, people bought tons of pcs at home you know uh, kids were uh, learning from home people were working from home so uh, families ended up spending on ipad mobile phone and video gaming equipment and and pcs i think there is a reasonable case to be made that that market is likely to see some pause as we go into 2022 so while there are a lot of bright spots in technology sector there could be one area where we could see a pause as we go into 2022 Well yeah I think that's right I mean I think that we do expect consumer services spending to pick up because people 
for the moment, miss all their friends and relatives. But after a while, they'll have had enough of their friends and relatives and get back to, to um, you know, cocooning and, and using technology. So um, it, is, it is remarkable just how humans adapt to a situation like this. And, and I, I think it's also remarkable that the, the consumer internet infrastructure, which was built to deliver a whole pile of video to, to homes, ended up delivering a whole pile of Zoom calls for, for businesses, uh, which is a great advantage for American business. Um, this is all very positive, but I, I think we should talk about some, some challenges here. And one of them clearly is um, regulation. And, uh, you know, big tech is uh, coming under fire in a lot of places. And one of the issues was... Um, Obviously, in China, where there's a lot of regulatory actions from the Chinese government, do you think the this issue is China specific, or is it a, a bigger global trend that is a really a long term threat to big tech? So, David, um, sometimes government policies uh, may be right from the eyes of um, those governments who enforce those, but may not look justified or objective from the eyes of a financial analyst. And uh, I'm a financial analyst, and when I look at, um, you know, some of the regulation, such as uh, uh, education companies can only be non-for-profit, seems excessive, but it may be right from Chinese government point of view. So I kind of see some of these policy changes by China, regulatory changes by China as more of a regional China issue as opposed to a global issue. But what I do feel that when uh, government hurts innovation in this way, because it will lead to some people rethink where they want to be domiciled if they are true innovators and they have a capitalistic mindset, then you know they might hurt innovation and it may give opportunity for other co uh, countries to 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 step up. So. That could be an opportunity uh, outside of China, but uh, for for most part, I view this a uh, bit more of a China-specific issue. So it's, it's kind of a, a rising technology tide, and if it gets pushed back in, in certain countries because of regulation, that may just open up more opportunities in other countries. One other important issue here is the price tag. Um, valuations for large tech companies are at levels that really have not been seen since the tech bubble. Do you think these valuations are justified, David? This is this I uh, this way. This is a very interesting question, and um, you know, uh, the bottom line is that today's tech sector is nothing like bubble era. You know, today, if you look at technology sector, it is driven by product innovation, superior business models. It's not hype. A very small portion of technology companies, specifically growth software or a few consumer internet companies, uh, you know could be classified as um, uh, expensive uh, because uh, one could question the sustainability of their uh, growth rate. And those stocks could turn out to be risky if you see a sudden spike in interest rates. But for broader technology sector, you know, uh, uh, we pay uh, very close attention to innovation and corporate profitability. And we see both, both of those factors are very healthy and uh, broadly speaking, technology sector is uh, compellingly valued. I would share a couple of uh, uh, other statistics here. Back in 2000, 2001, that was a period of excesses. Access chip inventory, access manufacturing capacity, access fiber, access telecommunication. Today, it is just the opposite. Today, it is a period of shortages. Automobile uh, production is hurt by chip shortage. 
industrial production is hurt by shortage. Products are not being transported uh, uh, adequate, shipped adequately from China. So this is a period of shortages, not access. Economy back then in 2000 was declining, and now we are uh, recovering. And you know, uh, you know, uh, the tech valuation back then was close to you know 68 times earnings, and now we are around 25 times earnings. Big difference. And on top of that, 10-year bond yield back then was six percent, and now we are at 1.5. So while there is a lot of um, desire to compare current environment with 2000. I see them as very different periods. There is only one factor which is sort of similar, which is excess liquidity. And that is something I watch, like how it is impacting the markets. But that's the only factor that I see very common, but other factors are very different. Okay, very very valid points, fair points. Um, okay, and then last question is, broadly speaking, without getting into individual companies, where do you see the best opportunities to take advantage of this sort of technology revolution? for investors today? We continue to think that transition to cloud will be uh, an important theme for many years to come. Transition to digital processes will be a very important theme in years to come. And the moment I mentioned the word cloud, people think about three, four large companies as beneficiaries, uh, but the investment opportunities in cloud is much bigger than that graphic processor companies, microprocessor companies, high-speed memory companies, infrastructure software companies, infrastructure hardware companies, and variety of application companies, they all are trying to capture that dollars from cloud investment. And we are very positive on, on a lot of those, uh, those, those companies. Secondly, I also think a lot of chip companies who are uh, driving product differentiation, whether it is your exercise equipment or whether it is your automobile, you have to watch those chip companies who are helping OEMs differentiate their product. We, we see quite a bit of opportunity there. And then these are secular type of opportunities which will last for eight to 10 years. But in the near term, there are some cyclical positives too. So if you start to see COVID cases come under control, which we I am a firm believer in vaccine. And the moment you start to see booster shots, you start to see uh, vaccine for kids, I think economy will reopen, we will have a good recovery. And, uh, you know, most people think about recovery and reopening just from a travel airline or hotel perspective. But you know, when, when you have small and medium businesses to start to hire, they need to get payroll systems. So payroll companies, they need to buy point of sale terminal, those companies. And, you know, there is substantial uh, room uh, to own those names, which will, which are not only innovative, but also have tailwind from uh, uh, reopening and recovery. Because, because technology is everywhere in the, in the economy, and so it could benefit from the reopening trade also. Um, but listen, thank you so much for joining us, Manish. This has been fascinating. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Please tune into our next episode, where I'll be joined by Portfolio Manager Nick Leventis for a discussion on the genomic health revolution. Until then, I invite you to download the JP Morgan Insights app for iPhone and iPad, which is another way to access this podcast and all of our timely insights on the markets and the economy at your fingertips. This content is intended for information only based on assumptions in current market conditions and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. 
Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. The company names mentioned are for illustrative purposes only. Their inclusion should not be interpreted as a recommendation to buy or sell or an endorsement for JP Morgan Asset Management Investment Management Services.